0: Hello there, Dr. McMackin. here coming to you from my office in Butler Hall on the Lindenwood University St. Charles campus, the seat of the religion department here at Lindenwood University. And today I am with my colleague, Dr. Nicole Torbitsky, who is assistant professor of religion here with us at Lindenwood. And I've got a secret about Nicole. She is a process theologian. And I don't know if you all understand exactly why that's interesting, but it's interesting because I'm a Bardian theologian, and I want to try to put this in terms that lots of people can understand. Uh, so I'll use a Harry Potter analogy. In Harry Potter, basilisks and spiders hate each other. Well, process theologians and Bardians are kind of like the basilisk and the spider. At least that's how we're normally perceived. So um, now that we have here at Lindenwood both a Bardian and a process theologian, I figured this would be a perfect opportunity to get some mutual dialogue and understanding going so that the spider and the basilisk can learn to lie down together like the lion and the lamb of the prophet.
1: Or take over.
0: Or one can take over the other?
1: No, or, together. Team oh, up. together. Well, well, yeah. team up, team up
0: and, and make a hybrid Lord Voldemort or something and uh, conquer the theological world. Uh, so to kind of facilitate uh, this whole Aus uh, einer Zetstone to murder my German pronunciation, uh, between process and Bardianism, we decided to read a book together and that's Colin Gunton's book, you see in a nice uh, photocopy, Becoming and Being, The Doctrine of God in Charles Hartshorne and Karl Barth. So we're going to do a series of videos together talking about this book and hashing it out from our two very different Theological Perspectives, and you all get to watch. Isn't that exciting?
1: That is so exciting.
0: I'm very excited about it. Me too. I think it'd probably be a good idea if we actually gave folks a description of what it means to be a process theologian and a Bardian theologian. So you want to go first, Nicole, and tell us about being a process theologian?
1: Sure, I'll talk about being a process theologian. So, process theology is itself a natural theology, and it works from the premise That God is both the principle of order in the universe and the institutor of novelty. And that without either of these things, there would be nothing new and the world would be chaos. Now, God is also personal in that God has a will that is given to the world through this very technical thing called a subjective aim, for each moment that comes into being. And this makes God not just personal, but also benevolent.
0: Cool. Kind of went right (laughs) over my head there. But (laughs) it sounds good.
1: So, well... You've got I
0: benevolence, you've got will, you've got God you've got being involved in things, that's good. You've got good. will,
1: you've got God involved in, in everything in existence. Uh, and it goes on to say that, so, where in the world would order come from in the world if we were left to our own devices? How would we be able to make sense of all of the data of the past, the things that have happened in the past that we use to build each present moment? And that might be an easier thing to do without God's intervention, perhaps. But where in the world would anything new come from hmm. if all we have to work with are things that have already come as we build each present moment? And so the Whiteheadians, and this gets a tad technical, but the Whiteheadians believe that God is the not just the logical Answer to that question, but the ontological answer to that question. In order for there to be both order and novelty, you need God.
0: But to quote the teacher from the book of Ecclesiastes at you, there is nothing new under the sun.
1: There is nothing new under the
0: sun. Yes. But this, in some ways, gets at the different approaches taken by a process theologian and a Bardian theologian because. Bardian theology is kind of a subset of what we call dialectical theology, and dialectical theology uh, takes as its starting point the encounter with the kerygma, the proclaimed word of God, and the salvation event that occurs in the midst of that encounter, and tries to think through what it means to be human in relationship with God on the basis of that encounter. So a very different kind of starting place from something like process theology. And then in the specifically Bardian kind of dialectical theology, you have a huge emphasis on not doing natural theology. So that's really in a lot of ways perhaps where the sharp divide between a Bardian approach and a process approach uh, is located. But then just in general, uh, my sense, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Nicole, but my sense is that, let's say Bardian theology is more directly, or you might say naively, uh, interested in traditional theological language and problems. Does that make sense? I mean, you and I have had enough conversations that I know that um, process theology has its own way of understanding and connecting with what we might call first-order Christian discourse, the discourse of prayer and worship. But perhaps bardian theology is closer to that first-order discourse than is process theology as a mode of explanation
1: because the starting places are different yeah process theology finds itself involved in conversations that are far broader than bardian theology but indeed people who are specifically involved in process theology and not process philosophy which is also another discipline uh, are dealing with those very first order things like the atonement theories and the how prayer is possible and even effective, if we're going to quote the Bible, James. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nothing, nothing like theologians swinging Bible like the verses at each other. Nothing like theologians quoting
1: Bible passages. Uh,
0: and I forgot to mention it earlier, uh, but you are not only the doctor, Nicole Torvitsky, you're the reverend doctor, Nicole Torvitsky. Right? So you've, you preach process theology. I
1: do preach process theology, although most people that have heard me preach would never know I was
0: preaching <laughs> process
1: theology to them.
0: So now all of you have the key. If you ever hear her preach process theology.
1: Listen for me to say things like God's continual presence and calling forward. You'll hear those things.
0: <laughs> well, I think that's pretty good for an orientation, don't you? Yes. Let's dive into Gunton. And we're, and right now we're just going to look very briefly at the introduction to Gunton's book as a way to get started. Um, and we kind of touched on this a little bit, but Nicole, how would you describe what Gunton's trying to do in this book?
1: So I think that Gunton is attempting, this book is published in 1978, so just at the height of when the mainstream churches in the United States were beginning to feel a massive decline. And so the theological community, Gunton included, are addressing the reasons why this decline in theism in particular, kind of even across religions, seem to be felt in the United States in most Western countries. And he postulates a theory that supernaturalism has become the problem. And he takes aim, at least in this introduction, at uh, St. Thomas Aquinas and his theory as the traditional way that that theism has been approached, and then postulates that both Whitehead or Hartshorne in this case, and excuse me, and Bart in his connections with Kant uh, might be answers or at least approaches to dealing with this decline in theism.
0: Now, there's a lot I want to pick up on there, uh, but. I think it also goes to your timing point, if we remember that Gunton was a British theologian. So the British, in terms of cultural progress, or progress, cultural development, are a good decade or so ahead of us on a lot of these trends. So it's being felt even a lot more uh, in the UK, and then uh, we're picking up on it in the United States as well. So I think that definitely underscores your point. But you had that little slip of the tongue between Whitehead and Hartshorn. What's going on with that? What's the? Is there a difference there? Uh, two different approaches within process theology.
1: They are two different approaches within process theology. So Hartshorn was a student of Whitehead's, and as uh, students and teachers tend to go, although none of you would ever do this, uh, they do sometimes have disagreements with their teachers, and or find uh, places in a philosophy or a theology where they believe there are weaknesses. And the main difference between Whitehead and Hartshorne, is a disagreement over how God can be connected to the world. And this has some very uh, technical details involved in it, but it has to do with how it is possible for God to be involved in existence. And Hartshorne believes that God is serially involved in existence, Mm -hmm. the way human beings are. And Whitehead would say, no, God isn't serially involved. Rather, more like a traditional theist would think about God, uh, the word that we use is prehend, sensing, being involved in the world, uh, would be all at once. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Because time, because God is atemporal. And so that it would be possible for God to feel or sense or know the entire world all at once. Hmm. And these solutions cause their each of these solutions cause their own problems, Uh, but each of them solve their own problems in their own ways.
0: And Gutton actually talks about this a bit with the uh, traditional quote unquote. Relationship between time and eternity and timelessness and so on, so Whitehead would actually be maybe somewhere in between Bart and Hartshorn on some of these questions. Yes, fascinating now, at the very end of the introduction, uh, he kind of sets up Hartshorn as being like a left wing Hegelian right who builds God in as part of the process of the world, and so when he wants to talk about hartshorn 's theological method he describes it as returning to the fountainhead of quote-unquote pure reason. Does that resonate as more or less accurate with you from a process perspective, or is Gunton doing something else here?
1: Well, it's fair enough. So process theology starts with, Lord Alfred North Whitehead, and even though we're Americans and we're not super excited about titles like Lord, (laughs) Whitehead himself is also from the UK, and he was indeed a Lord when, after World War I, he was invited to come and teach mathematics at Harvard University. And from there, he begins to very seriously develop this idea of process, philosophy, which has as a very important component, the idea of God. And so it takes off as a theology after that, but Whitehead's initial ideas were to put together a metaphysic of existence rather than a theology per se. And so his ideas were indeed focused uh, on reason, on dealing with the physics, the metaphysics, and the science of the early 1920s and 30s, especially in America and Britain.
0: And Hartshorn departs from this impulse a bit?
1: Well, Hartshorn is most definitely a theologian, whereas Whitehead considered himself a philosopher.
0: Interesting. Important background information. So you accept the fountainhead of pure reason, more or less.
1: Well, I would like to question what pure reason is, but
0: nonetheless... <laughs> Wouldn't we all? <laughs> I don't know anybody who doesn't have their own definition of pure reason.
1: But nonetheless, so Hartshorn starts from a place that is a little less about revelation, uh, direct revelation, and a whole lot more about natural theology.
0: Now, the way Gunton sets up this whole historical picture is he spends some time elaborating what he takes to be a traditional view, and then he tells us about some modern philosophers like Hume and Kant and Descartes, and I think Spinoza even made his way in here, who have somehow messed up this view. And now uh, Hartshorn and Bart have come along, and one of them is going to be able to save us. We don't know which one yet. Maybe, maybe both.
1: Maybe together. Who
0: knows? Uh, we've got to get to the end of the book to find that yeah, out. But this form kind of a
1: monster, snake, spider, and take a. <laughs>
0: this this kind of declension narrative, though, is something that um, some bardians, the kind of story that some bardians, especially of Gunton's generation, tend to uh, tell. A story they tend to tell. Um, does process theology tell a similar declension story? Does this ring uh, true from that perspective as well?
1: So the idea that there was, there is a true theology, and that philosophers and theologians have come along over the years and kind of messed up something that was good and pure and true. Yes and no.
0: (laughs) I should have known.
1: (laughs) So, Whitehead sees all philosophy as a footnote to Plato, and he sees himself as being part of that tradition and would indeed pick up Hegelian threads, uh, some Thomistic threads, some Aristotelian threads, some Platonic threads. A little bit of Kant could be thrown in there. And so would Whitehead say it had fallen apart? No. Uh, Would he say that there were people who didn't understand the (laughs) metaphysic of existence? Perhaps.
0: (laughs) Now, you mentioned Gutton's
1: Wait, wait, wait. No, you're supposed to talk about how the Kantians believe things have fallen apart.
0: Um, no. (laughs) (laughs) I just can't do it. (laughs)
1: Okay. <laughs> but so do you agree there was a time when theology was done right?
0: Oh, um, sometimes certain kinds of Bardians can give this idea. Uh, I would have the tendency to label these people not as proper Bardian dialectical theologians, but as neo-orthodox theologians. And the idea of neo-orthodoxy being that you need to get back to a pre-existing orthodoxy or somehow reinvigorate a pre-existing orthodoxy. I'm not very sympathetic with that idea at all. So the idea that you can go from a more or less properly articulated theology and then lose that somehow, um, I don't think that kind of an animal ever existed.
1: So yet another thing... That Bart and Whitehead
0: or Harshman agree on, or <laughs> at least Bartians and Process Theologians can perhaps agree on. But yeah, I was before you, you know, redirected me to the task at hand. I was gonna, gonna jump our attention over to Gutten's discussion of Thomas, in setting up the um, declension narrative that he tells. Thomas is one of the main figures that he uses to set up the characteristics of quote unquote traditional uh, thinking. Um, He has three primary points uh, that he uses to describe this traditionalism. The first one is supernaturalism. The next one is timelessness, God's timelessness. And the third one is a hierarchical organization of humanity. Um, But in, in all of them, he keeps coming back to this kind of foundational level of supernaturalism. And there are a couple things in there that raise my eyebrow. How about you?
1: Yeah. Indeed, but we'll
0: let you you feel this one. I've done an awful lot of talk. <laughs> okay. Um, well, in Gunton's discussion of supernaturalism, it seems like he's got two uh, different lines of thought that are in tension with each other. On the one hand, uh, in his first paragraph of two paragraphs on the subject, he tends to set up supernaturalism... In terms of what I would call supranaturalism, the idea that you have this realm of being that is somehow beyond the creaturely realm of being that we all interact with every day. He talks about the quote unquote negative way or the apophatic approach to creating theological statements, uh, where you say, uh, you take some finite thing and say that God is not that. Um, and he lays all that out and then talks about how supernaturalism is set up as opposition to the natural Fine, but then at the very last line of the two paragraphs, he kind of shifts keys, and all of a sudden, supernaturalism um, stops sounding like another level of analysis or another um, level of being uh, that encompasses the natural and starts to sound a lot more like it's interested in miracle more as as a unique kind of embodiment. So he says any historical activity of God will tend to take the form of an isolated intervention, which is also a violation of the natural. And this is what got me really curious, because he appeals to Thomas a number of times through here, and uh, it, just from what I understand, again, I'm not a, a specialist, but from what I understand of Thomas's way of setting up divine and human agency in the Doctrine of Providence and the Prima Pars, um, talking about a violation of nature just seems not like something that Thomas would not want to do. God is the one who set up nature. God's not going to violate it. And in fact, Thomas has a non-competitive account of divine and human agency, where again, it's kind of like the supernatural. You're working on these two different levels of analysis. So there I would tend to see in Thomas a tension between how he sets things up there and anything he wants to say later about miracles as intervention. And it seems like that kind of tension is maybe reproduced by Gutton here, perhaps unhelpfully
1: perhaps unhelpfully, but he might, since his goal is to get to one of the reasons why theism has declined, he might be putting his finger on where attention in at least nineteen, early 1980s uh, culture may be feeling that push, that here we have a God that is so far removed that the only way for God to be involved in the world is through these Uh, violations of natural theology and it might be true or not true of thomas but it might be what culture was feeling then and it's maybe still feeling today
0: Uh, am i right in thinking that process theology has something to say to this concern
1: so process theology (laughs) doesn't have this same tension because god is so intimately involved in every part of existence um So, for process theology, for any moment to come into being, any any event, any new instance of being, that instance comes into being because of God's subjective aim. That means God kind of kickstarts each event, each moment into existence with an aim for that moment, with a purpose um, that the. The moment itself has the ability to accept or reject, either wholesale or not, uh, and, and in between. And so, in this way then, God is intimately involved in the becoming of every single moment in existence. And the idea that there is any separation between a supra or even supernatural God doesn't, is no problem.
0: So process theology does not have a concept of God's absolute transcendence.
1: God is in God's cons- in God's primordial nature absolutely transcendent.
0: Hmm. God's in- primordial nature.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> for whiteheads. Now we're getting the nitty gritty. <laughs> for whitehead's philosophy and theology, um, God has two natures: both a primordial and a consequent nature. And in the primordial nature, God generates these aims for each occasion, and then after an occasion makes its decision about how it will respond and what it will be, that decision, that satisfied moment, is taken back into God's consequent nature, and the repercussions of that get integrated into God, which affect the things that get sent for the next moments from God's primordial nature. So, if that was not confusing enough, that is a very long way of saying God is intimately involved in everything that happens in this world, not just from a top-down, but also in integrating the things that happen in this world, in God.
0: There's certain parallels here to somebody like Thomas, who would say that God sets up the ends for all kinds of creatures, but then God also actively kind of rules through the process of history. Um, So there would be certain analogs, I would think. In a more or less traditional account, but again, you know, important differences too. Because it sounds like for process, there can be absolutely no concept of violation of the natural by divine action. So it's a kind of intervention, but it's not an intervention that in any way um, compromises creaturely agency. Absolutely. And so from a Bardian perspective, and how I would tend to read Thomas as well, you have the same kind of formal setup where you have um, God not violating creaturely agency, but you have a different ontological picture to describe that without this primordial and consequent nature and so on. Yes. Cool. Well, uh, let's see. This has been going on a little while already. It hey, has hi, we, we hit minute 23, and that's not too bad, considering that we're only working with seven pages of Gunton right now. So um, I think we can call it a day, And be back next time with more wonderful process and Bardian reflections on Gunton's book. What do you think, Nicole? That sounds
1: wonderful. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Glad to have you in the department, and we'll see you next time.